is alive. He is alive. He is alive. I'm excited today. Am I on? Yep. Whoop. Whoop. I'm still excited. Technical difficulties, but I'm still excited. I am so excited today. Um, going to be preaching today from the book of Jonah. And I'm going to actually be beginning a new series. And you know, when I was a kid, I used to get excited about all kinds of things. Um, there we go. I used to get, get excited about all kinds of things like, you know, toys and Christmas and birthdays and candy and going to grandma's house. And that, now I get excited about beginning a new Bible series. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm even more excited now. Um, you know, you, those of you that have been around me for a while, you know, some of you know that, that well, I'm mostly preaching series, and some of you know that I'll take, you know, a passage and go through it, and sometimes it's a chapter, and sometimes it's a whole book. And today we're going to be beginning the, the study of an entire book, verse by verse, through the entire book. Now, don't get it too intimidated. There's only four chapters, all right? And so I'm going to give you some homework. I'm going to give you some homework over the next few weeks, and here's the homework. Read the book of Jonah. Read the book of Jonah. If you've got your Bibles today, um, turn to the book of Jonah because we're going to be there for a while. Uh, if you're not sure exactly where Jonah is, open up your Bible halfway and you'll find the book of Psalms. It's about halfway through. And then about halfway between Psalms and Matthew in the New Testament, you'll find the books of the minor prophets. And one of those is Jonah. So just kind of flip through there a little bit and you'll find the book of Jonah. Now my assignment for you uh, and for those of you listening online, which we have quite a few that are listening online, my assignment for you is this. I encourage you to read the entire book of Jonah every day for a month. What? The whole book? Listen, it's four chapters long. It takes a fast reader about 10 minutes to read it all. It takes a really slow reader about 15 minutes to read it all. Just, if you don't believe me, just time it. I'm getting ready to read a fourth of the book in just a few minutes to you. And so take... 10 minutes out of your day and read the book of Jonah. You're going to get a lot more out of the sermons th than you would have otherwise. If you can't do that, if you can't say that I'll read the entire book of Jonah, then I encourage you to do the light lesson this week. Read chapter 1 and chapter 2. Chapter 1 to kind of review what we've talked about today. Chapter 2 to get you ready for next week. It's only 10 minutes, guys. You can do that. Let me give you a little background um, on the book of Jonah. I've already said that it's one of the minor prophets. The word Jonah means dove, means peace. Uh, and, and so when, 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 when uh, Jonah was named, he was named a man of peace. And we'll believe that the more we read this book. He was the son of Amittai, and Jonah was sent by God to prophesy to Nineveh. And we're going to talk about Nineveh in a few minutes. Let me put this in a little bit of a historical setting. The setting is probably during the reign of King Jeroboam II. It's about 40 years before Assyria came and destroyed Israel and took them captive. So about 40 years before Israel, Assyria came, and then a couple of hundred years later, uh, Babylon came and took over Assyria and then took over the rest of Judah. So it's, this, this story takes place about 700 to 800 years before Christ. And that'll kind of give you a little bit of, of a time frame of when we're looking at it. It's before the exile. And the main divisions in Jonah, I've already told you, there's four chapters. 
Chapters 1 and 2 talk about Jonah fleeing from from his mission. And chapters 3 and chapter 4 are Jonah fulfilling his mission. And, And so it's quite simple. Break it down any way you want to. Jonah. Now, those of you that, that know me, when I preach through a Bible or a chapter or especially a book, I kind of give you a main verse to grab a hold of, a key verse to grab a hold of. Um, you, you realize that the entirety of Scripture points to Jesus. Everything from Genesis 1, it points to the cross. And, and everything since the Gospels points to the cross. And so when you, when you break a book down and when you look at it, the first thing that you should say is, what is this telling me about God? And what is this telling me about salvation and about that experience? And when I look at this book that way, I'm drawn immediately to Jonah chapter 4. Verse 2. Let's put it up there on the screen. You are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to become angry, rich in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. Now, when we get to chapter 4, I'm going to give you the context for that verse. But if you would read the entire book of Jonah with thinking about the mercy and the compassion of God. Mercy in Hebrew is the word chanum, and it means graciousness and full of grace. And compassion is the word rakum, and it means full of compassion. Chanum and rakum, what great names for like hunting dogs or something. Mercy and compassion. Come here, Chanum. Come here, Rakum. I think those are great names. Um, You remember last week, if you were here last week, we were preaching in Psalm 112, and we were talking about a righteous man. And you remember one of the characteristics of the righteous man was that he was compassionate And you remember that I told you every time that word compassion is used in scriptures, it describes God except for in Psalm 112. That's the same word. That's the same word that I I pointed out to you last week. Rakum. And it means full of compassion. All right. So that's enough background. Let's get into Jonah chapter 1. And I'm just going to read through it, and then we'll pray, and then we'll talk about it. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up! Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because their wickedness has confronted me. However, Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare. He went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. Then the Lord hurled a violent wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, what are you doing? Sound asleep. Get up. Call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us, and we won't perish. Come on, the sailors said to each other, let's cast lots, then we'll know who is to blame for the trouble we're in. So they cast lots, and the lot singled out Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us who is to blame for this trouble we're in. What's your business, and where are you from? What is your country, and what people are you from? He answered them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship Yahweh, the God of the heavens, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were even more afraid and said to him, what is this you've done? The men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them. So they said to him, what should we do to 
to you to calm the seed that's getting us, that's against us. For the sea was getting worse and worse. He answered him, pick me up, throw me into the sea so it may be quiet down for you. For I know that I'm to blame for this violent storm that is against you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. So they called out to the Lord, please, Lord, don't let us perish because of this man's life. And don't charge us with innocent blood for you, Yahweh, have done just as you pleased. Then they picked up Jonah and they threw him into the sea and the sea stopped its raging. The men feared the Lord even more and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and they made vows. Now the Lord had appointed a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights. Oh, Father, bless the reading and the proclaiming of your word. And I pray for those that are here and those that are listening or will be listening in the near future. I pray that you would bless them for hearing your word. And then I pray, most importantly, that you bless the doing and the living and the being of your word through your mercy and through your compassion. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. That's, that's, a, that's a long chapter, and there's a lot there. It breaks down into five movements, if you will. Jonah, God, Jonah, God, Jonah. Jonah, God, Jonah, God, Jonah. Jonah is disobedient. God is present. Jonah is exposed. God is merciful and compassionate. And then Jonah gets surprised. Jonah is disobedient. Jonah was was from the territory of Zebulon, and it's three miles from Nazareth. So it's up in the region of Galilee where Jesus is from. That's where Jonah was, his hometown was. And we we don't know that from this book, but if you read 2 Kings 14, it tells you exactly where Jonah was from. It was the region from the territory of Zebulon, up up in the north of the kingdom. And and one day, the, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to Nineveh. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their wickedness has confronted me. I I don't know about Jonah, but I do know this. I, I would hope that if God came to me and audibly and visibly the word came to me and said, go to fill in the blank and preach against the wicked city, I would hope that my first instinct wouldn't be to go somewhere else. But the more I think about it, the more I think I might. Because I'm human, and so was Jonah, and so are you, so are we. So let's not get too down on Jonah from the very beginning. Jonah was disobedient. He heard the mission call. Go to Nineveh. Go from where you are northeast to Iraq. To the the land of Mesopotamia. The land between the Tigris and the Euphrates. The birthplace of civilization. Because there's a city there in the middle of a country that I have heard their wickedness. And and I'm I'm telling you to go and, 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 and preach against their wickedness. Because it has confronted me. You, you may not have heard of the, of the city of Nineveh, but how many of you have heard over the last 15 years the city of Mosul in Iraq? If you've watched the news at all, you've heard of Mosul. Mosul is the modern-day Nineveh. It's right across the river from, from Nineveh. They have dug up the gates of Nineveh and the walls of Nineveh. Nineveh was an actual city, and, and there's Mosul today. So, so Jonah immediately got up and went to Joppa. 
Joppa is, is a land, the first thing he had to do was get out, go out of his door, and if he turned to the right, he went to Nineveh, but he turned to the left. He immediately made a left turn out the front door and headed to Joppa, modern-day Jaffa or Jaffa in Israel. It's a city right on the Mediterranean Sea. And he, instead of going where he was supposed to go, he went the exact opposite way. He got on a ship headed for Tarshish. It's not Tarsus, where Paul was from. It's Tarshish. It's, it's modern-day um, Tartessus. It's on the coast of Spain. It's 2,000 miles away. Basically, it was the end of the world. When, when, when Jonah went to Joppa and he said, I need a ticket on the first boat to the farthest place out, they said, the, the, the farthest destination we have, the end of the world as we know it, is in Spain. Book me a seat. I need to go as far away from there as I can get. I need to go as far away from where God wants me to go. I don't care if I don't know Spanish and don't like hot food. Send me there because that's where I need to go. I need to get away from my mission. I need to get away from what it is that God has called me to. I need to go there. So let's think about it. If we're here, and, and, and if you think about it on the map, God calls us to go to the northeast, maybe up to New York City or maybe maybe to Philadelphia or maybe, God forbid, to Washington, D.C., and preach against that city. And instead, we get on a plane and head to Baja, California, way as far away as we can get from where we need to be. That's what Jonah did. He took off the other way. Why did he disobey God? Why, Jonah? Why did you do what you did? God said, very, how many of you would love it if God told you, go to fill in the blank? Go to somewhere. You know, wouldn't that be great if God called us to go specifically to a place to share the gospel and he said, I'm going to prepare that place for you and I'm going to prepare hearts for you and minds for you. Wouldn't that make it so much easier if God said, go specifically to this place and do this? We wouldn't look at the world so big. We would just go where it was that he wanted us to go and do what he wanted us to do. God said, go into Jerusalem, into Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God told Jonah to go. Why did he disobey? He was afraid. He was afraid. He had reason to be afraid. Don't turn, but I'm going to flip over to the book of Nahum, chapter 3. Let me describe to you a little bit about Nineveh. Let me describe to you a little bit about Nineveh. Nahum was a contemporary of Jonah. Nineveh, this is the city, the, the capital of Assyria. And Nahum wrote this. It says, Nineveh's downfall. Woe to the city of blood, totally deceitful, full of plunder, never without prey. The crack of the whip and the rumble of the wheel, galloping horse and jolting chariot, charging horsemen, flashing sword, shining spear, heaps of slain, mounds of corpses, dead bodies without end. They stumble over their dead. Because of continual prostitution of the prostitute, the attractive mistress of sorcery who betrays nation by her prostitution and clans, by her witchcraft, I am against you. 
This is the declaration of the Lord of hosts. Not a place you want to book on your trip around the world. Dead bodies were piled up in Nineveh. Cherry, it was just a place of constant anger and turmoil and wrath. And God told Jonah to go there. Jonah was probably afraid to death to go there. Now, when I was a little boy, there wasn't too much that scared me. But I will tell you this. I, I grew up watching professional wrestling. And, and, and actually, what they have today is, is, what do they call it? Sports entertainment. I, don't, I haven't watched it in years. It, sports entertainment or something. We watched wrestling when I grew up. And, and there weren't too many things that, that, that scared me very much. But there were some. Kamala, the Ugandan giant, scared me. When he came out with those bones and that war paint slapping that belly, that scared this little boy. Moondog Rex and Moondog Spot scared me. When they came out and started growling, some of those other things scared me. Well, they would have been made to look like wussies in Nineveh. Jonah was probably scared to death, and that's why he went the other way. But another reason that he might have gone the other way, other than fear, was he might have just been a little bit prejudiced. He might have just been a little bit prejudiced, and this might hit closer to home to some of us. You see, Jonah uh, knew that the people of Nineveh weren't Jewish. He knew that they weren't favored by God. He knew they had foreign gods, and he knew they had a completely different lifestyle. And in his mind, he probably thought they don't deserve the mercy and the compassion of God because they're so different. They speak different languages. They, they eat different things. They worship different gods. They don't deserve the mercy of God. They don't deserve the compassion of God. Maybe if they got a little more like like me, then I'd be able to reach out to them. But until then, they don't deserve it. And he knew that God was sufficient to forgive if the people of Nineveh repented, and he may not have wanted that to happen. That may have been a reason why he didn't go. He may not have wanted their repentance. Anyway, he gets on a boat. You know, it's, it's, it's quite not ironic when we read what we read here, anytime you see a word or a phrase thrown out multiple times, pay attention to it. He went down to Joppa. He went down into the ship, away from the Lord's presence. And then we get that, that he can't get away from the Lord's presence. The Lord hurled a violent wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose on the sea. That the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid. Each cried out to his little G, God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. The storm of the century is raging all around him. The storm of the century. And what's Jonah doing? He's asleep. Where? In a boat. Where in the boat? Down in the bottom of the boat. Does it sound familiar to you? Does it sound familiar to, to another story that maybe you've heard about in church? Do you remember when the storm was raging on the Sea of Galilee and the disciples were afraid 
and Jesus went down into the boat and fell asleep. Let's get back to, to the Mediterranean Sea here. These were professional sailors. They were afraid. Uh, they were afraid, a, a fear that inspires reverence or godly awe. They were willing to give up their livelihood for their lives. You don't see that unless you look at it, but they were willing to give up their livelihood for their lives. For you see, what good is a captain and what good is a crew that throws their cargo overboard? It, 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 Frank, if you, if you paid a company to haul a truckload of freight from here to California, and about halfway across, they dumped that cargo out because they were afraid for their lives, would you call them back again and use them again? Would you tell her, or, would you, or instead, would you tell everybody around you, hey, don't use that company ever again? Don't ever use them again. These men, the captain and the crew, realized that if they threw the cargo overboard, it was the end of life as they knew it. But they were so fearful for their lives that they knew there was no other way. You see, the waves were crashing all over the boat, and the waters were rising all over the boat, and what they had to do was throw everything overboard that was at all possible to throw over to lighten the boat so that it sat higher in the water so that the waves didn't crash over them. And, and it probably wouldn't work, but they were so desperate that they were doing everything that they could. That's how bad it was, and in the midst of it, Oh, Jonah is stretched out, asleep, taking a nap, kicked back on a pillow, down in the bottom of a boat. When I wake up, I'm going to have me some paella in Spain, and everything's going to be right in the world. Listen, Jonah's stretched out in a deep sleep, and the captain looks around, and he says, Hey, where's the new guy? Where's the new guy? And they said, I don't know. I think he went downstairs. And so the captain rumbles downstairs. He kicks Jonah in the side of the, of the belly and says, get up and pray to your God because we're going to die. We're getting ready to die here. There's almost nothing left for us to throw over the boat. If you don't pray to your little G God, we're going to die. Oh, okay, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Listen. You can run away from God. When God gives you an order, when God gives you a mandate, when God tells you to do something, you can run away from God, but you can never outrun God. Jonah couldn't outrun God. Jonah couldn't get away from God. He went down to Joppa. He went down to, to the boat. He went down to Tarshish. He went down inside the boat, but he couldn't get away from God. And you can't get away from God, and I can't get away from God. Jonah is disobedient. God is present. And then Jonah gets exposed. So we get up on top of the ship again, and the waves are still crashing, and the, and, the, and the boat's still rocking, and they've thrown almost everything overboard that they could throw over. They can't throw anything else overboard, and it's still not working. As a matter of fact, according to the book, it gets worse. The waves are getting harder, and, and, and the water's getting crashier, and the winds are picking up. And the men decided to play Monopoly right in the middle of the storm. 
Somebody gets some lots out, and they says, look, we got to figure out what's going on here. You know, let's play Yahtzee. Let's play Yahtzee. And Jonah rolls five sixes. And they look at him, and they say, Yahtzee, you're it. What's going on? What are you doing? Jonah gets exposed for who he is. The men cast lots. The lot fell to Jonah. They were more afraid of the Hebrew God than they were of the storm. They cast lots and the lot singled Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us who is to blame for this trouble. What is your business? Where are you from? What is your country and what people are you from? He said, I'm a Hebrew. I worship Yahweh, the God of heavens, who made the sea and who made the dry land. And the men were evil even more afraid than they had been we've heard about this guy see somewhere along the lines they had to have heard about big g god yahweh god the lord of lords god because they they immediately upon hearing his name were even more afraid than they were of the storm The men were even more afraid and said to him, what is it that you've done? Jonah said, I'm running away from God because God wants me to go to Nineveh and preach against the Ninevites because they have found disfavor in his eyes. I'll tell you what, let's just make this easy on everybody. I'm causing this storm. I don't want to go to Nineveh. The easiest thing for you guys to do is to just throw me overboard. Because that's the best chance you have of of calming the storm down that's raging all around you. You've thrown everything else overboard. I'm just like cargo. Toss me too. I would have been the first to grab a hold of his belt buckle. If I'd have thought it would have worked, I'd have tossed him over. But the men didn't, did they? These men who knew of God but didn't know God, what does the Bible say that they did? They picked up their oars and they, they paddled even harder. They tried to find dry land. Jonah was willing to give himself up and to throw himself away, and these pagans were trying to save him. How ironic is that? They were trying to help him come up with a different way. It didn't work. We know it didn't work. We know that eventually it got to the point where they had to let him go. They had to throw him over. They had to toss him over. God is merciful and compassionate. The men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they couldn't because the sea was raging against them. So they called out to the Lord. You see, 10 minutes before, they were calling out to the God of the sea and the God of their hometown and the God of their mama and daddy and gods that they didn't even know, all kinds of gods, the God of of the wood and the God of the sail and the God of the cloud and the God of the rain. They were calling out to any God they'd ever heard of before, any port they'd ever visited. They were trying to call out to any God at all possible. And then they called out to the Lord, please, Lord. Don't let us perish because of this man's life, and don't charge us with innocent blood, for you, Lord, have done just as you pleased. I don't think they were looking for a way out. I think they were looking for forgiveness. I think they, they realized what was going on, and in the midst, you got to remember, the waves are still crashing and the wind's still blowing. In the midst of all of that, they didn't want to do what Jonah wanted them to do. They wanted to row to land. They called out to God. They were pagan men from pagan lands who worshipped pagan gods. But then they became compassionate on Jonah and on his life. And in verse 14, they cried out to God. 
they picked up Jonah, and they said, may God have mercy on our souls. And they tossed him overboard, and as soon as he hit the water, boom. As soon as he hit the water, boom. The men feared the Lord even more, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows. They became believers. You know, that's when most people become a believer. When most people become a believer is when they're going through a storm in their life. Most people realize, because sometimes you have to get emptied of everything before you can realize just how, God is, how good God is. Jonah was disobedient, but God was present. Jonah was exposed, but God was merciful and compassionate. God had mercy and compassion on the men on that ship, and he welcomed them in because it says they worshipped him. <laughs> now the Lord had appointed a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights. And there is Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. That verse has caused many people throughout eternity to not believe in God. Now the Lord had appointed a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights. What was this great fish? What was this great fish? Was it some crazy sea serpent from the bottom of the ocean? You know, every now and then you'll see something on Facebook or on Yahoo about some weird, wacky creature from the bottom of the ocean that comes out and they, they get a picture of it and they've never seen it before and it's some crazy thing. Was it some weird, crazy animal that God pulled up from the depths of the pit of the Mediterranean and he just engulfed Jonah and swallowed him for three days? I don't know. Was it a, was it a blue whale or a great whale? Was it, was it some kind of whale I don't know. I don't know if it was a whale. I do know they called it a fish, and, and, and a fish or a whale isn't a, isn't a fish, it's a mammal. But they wouldn't have known that back then, or they might not have. But anyway, was it, was it a, a great white shark? Could it have been a shark? Could it have been some, Does it really matter what kind of fish it was? You know, because sometimes people spend so long questioning the great fish that they forget about the great God. The great God who caused Jonah to be saved. How could a fish swallow him whole? I don't know. But a God who can create the universe can create a fish that can swallow him whole. How can he live under the sea for three days without breathing? I don't know. But a God that can create a fish that can swim under sea for years can make him possible. How can he live inside of a fish for three days and not be eaten up by the acids? I don't know. I'm not as concerned about the fish as I am about the God, the God who rescues, the God who saves, that's more of a concern for me. The bottom line is this, whether it was a sea serpent, whether it was a shark, whether it was a whale, whether it was something completely different, God needed to discipline a runaway prophet, and God needed a delivery system to Nineveh. God prepared some kind of aquatic animal that came and engulfed Noah or Jonah whole and, and took him to where he needed to be. God brought Jonah to Nineveh with the fish for his glory, and so hundreds of thousands of people could be saved. 
That's why God did what he did. And that's the greatness of God. And that's the compassion of God. And that's the mercy of God. Well, Darren, how do you know this actually happened? How do you know that it actually happened? How do you know it's not just a made-up story? How many of you all know of a man named Jesus? He, he lived a what kind of life? A perfect life. And by living a perfect life, it means what? It means he told no lies. Let me read to you not my words. Let the words of Jesus convince you. But he, Jesus, answered, an evil and adulterous generation. It's in red in my Bible, and that means that Jesus said it, because when he spoke, red words came out of his mouth. An evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three nights, or three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. Jesus said, as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, what does that mean? That means it happened. That means it happened. That's enough for me. Jesus said it. I'm siding with him. Even when we run from God and God sends a storm, he also sends a way out. Jonah was running from God. God sent a storm into his life. Jonah was thrown into the ocean. God sent a way out to deliver him to the place that he needed to be. God sends storms in your life. God has sent storms in my life. And when I don't think that I can get anywhere closer to God, I'm so far apart from God, I realize that God sent me a way out. And that way is called the cross of Calvary. That way is called complete forgiveness, complete confession of sin, complete forgiveness, complete repentance. Have you ever done this? You ever done this? You, you know that God is calling you to a specific thing, but instead you rebel and you run away. God has called you to change your behavior, but when the subject comes up, you avoid it. God has called you to be more public with your faith, but instead you put your light under a bushel and hide it so that your coworkers or colleagues won't see it. God has, has called you to forgive someone who wronged you. Maybe years ago, decades ago, God has called you to forgive them, but instead when you see them coming, you avoid them and you hold on to that grudge. Maybe God has called you to a life of quietness and prayer, but instead you fill it up with your phone. It's good. You fill it up with your phone or your television or your calendar and you get so busy that you don't have time for a life of quietness and prayer. Listen, for the next 30 days, I implore you, turn it off and open the book and read Jonah. You are not going to regret it. Read it. Spend 15 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day reading that book. Comment about it. Tell your wife or your husband. Tell your kids about it. Read it with them if you have the opportunity. Talk about it on Facebook. Talk about it at work. Talk about it wherever. Hey, I'm reading the book of Jonah, and there are storms in life, but God is speaking to me through the book of Jonah. Maybe God has called you to a specific ministry, but you choose to wait for some better time. Maybe today you're here, and God has called you back into a relationship with him. He has called you to a relationship with him through Christ, but instead you go down to Joppa. 
And you get a boat going to Tarshish. And you get in the boat and you go down in the boat. And you just choose to put your headphones on. And you choose to curl up in the blanket. And you choose to ignore the storms going on. You choose to ignore the call on your heart. You choose to think, hey, I'm just going to get away from God. I'm going to get away from the love of God. I'm going to get away from the compassion of God. I'm going to just get away from the mercy of God and run away and crawl into my shell and hide. Let me read to you, uh, close with this scripture. This is Psalm 139. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee to hide from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live on the eastern horizon or settle on the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. You can't outrun God, so you might as well surrender to him. By surrendering to God, you don't have to spend three days in the belly of the fish. Church, let's have a word of prayer. And then we're going to come and we're going to communicate with God as God communicates through us. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done to get us to this place. I thank you for Jonah. I thank you for his story and for what it means to me and for what it means to this body of believers. I thank you that over the next three or four weeks that you're going to impress upon us the fact that you have given each one of us a mission and a commission, and they're intertwined. Our mission and our commission are intertwined, and they're basically this. Go and tell the world how much I love them. Tell the world how much I care about them. Go and tell them, whether it's the elementary school kids, the youth group, the the, the 20s and 30-year-olds. Tell the 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s. And if you know somebody, 100, tell them, I love them. I died for them. And I want to be in a relationship with them. Church, it's time for us to quit running. Because you can't outrun God. In Jesus' name, amen.